Hey, everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with the Super Bowl edition of the Jungle Roar Pod, powered as always by the great folks at FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. We have someone new to the rotation this week. It is my privilege, my honor to welcome the one and only Joe Daneman of Fox 19 Sports in Cincinnati. You can follow him on X at Fox 19 Joe. How you doing, Joe? Trags, this is funny because okay, I liked how you framed it being Super Bowl week, so I feel like I'm honored to be on during Super Bowl week. Hey. We all know the truth that we're this far into the offseason and you've already taken all the riders on, so now you have to dip into the TV, guys, to fill some time. I wasn't going to put it exactly that way, but since you mentioned it, um, Joe uh, did a nice favor for me the, well, I want to say three weeks ago uh, at a high school game when I spotted him down uh, in the end zone or the uh, beyond the end line of the basketball court at Indian Hill, my alma mater. He was there shooting the highlights solo, I might add, for the Marymount Indian Hill game, a game that the battling Braves jumped out fast uh, but faded quickly. However, they have rebounded nicely. They are now in good position. They're a game behind Wyoming in the CHL. They beat Wyoming on Friday, huge win for the battling Braves. I just want to get that in there. But you do remember that Friday night where you spotted me doing the game. How could I forget it? Seeing you on the mic for that game, that was excellent yep. to see. And I was going to ask you if we could save a minute here for the end of the podcast for you to yes. brag about Indian Hills' big win over Wyoming, who was ranked number two in the state, was undefeated up until last week. So uh, a huge win, a big shakeup in the conference with, Wyoming going down to Indian Hill, that has to be their biggest win of the season, taking down Wyoming, who seemingly never loses a regular season game in anything ever. Oh, well, it, and it's funny because I was there for the Indian Hill football victory at Wyoming. So I was not there on Friday night. I was at the University of Dayton uh, where mm -hmm. my daughter goes, uh, Emma, she is a junior there. Um, big win for Dayton. But anyway, this is a football podcast, at least to start with. And it is Super Bowl week. And I'm not going to waste a lot of time talking about Travis Kelsey and that really famous pop singer. But it is going to be part of the Super Bowl. Uh, what did you think of Super Bowl opening night out in Vegas? I believe for the first time, Super Bowl opening night, what used to be uh, media day at the Super Bowl, was actually held at the venue uh, itself uh, at Allegiant Stadium. What did you think? Any takeaways? So I popped on... The Travis Kelsey segment, you know, they have a microphone and a camera at the podium for the superstar players. And I watched about 15 minutes of Travis Kelsey, and I think 80% of it was dominated by questions about Taylor Swift, his relationship with Taylor Swift. Uh, the few parts that I pulled out of it that I thought were interesting. Well, I thought it was interesting, too, Mike, how he handled all the questions about it. He knew going into it that he was sure. going to be peppered. With questions about and I thought he handled it well because it's it's a personal thing and obviously she's had a, a huge week it's a huge week for him so uh, America's power couple is having a big week here but I thought what he said about wanting to win this Super Bowl as much or more than any Super Bowl he's ever been in was striking and interesting to me for a guy that's done this now multiple times he's been in several Super Bowls uh, for him to have that kind of attitude look I think what Kansas City is trying to do here and I go back to a conversation I had with uh, a, a person who works for the Fox affiliate 
in Kansas City when the Bengals played there at the end of the season where he said this team is solely focused on trying to enter the rare air of a dynasty. And it feels right. as if Kansas City is right there on the doorstep of it. You win a third in this short amount of time. I, I think you enter that conversation of the Patriots, of the 49ers. I think they're right there on the doorstep, and I think they can sense that going into this game. So what Travis said about wanting this game and what it would mean for the history of his career and for the organization of the Chiefs, I, I think that's pretty interesting to me that they understand their place and what they're doing. And also what's been interesting, too, is is the way they've adapted this year to what they are. Because I, th- I thought it took Mike the, the game against the Raiders on Christmas for them to finally realize. That's a great point, Joe. Yes. They've got to change. They have to adapt to what they are this year. We saw it before the year without a superstar wide receiver that they were going to be defense, they are going to be running the football, and they were going to be a quarterback who didn't make mistakes. Who does that sound like? That sounds like, to me, the first iteration of the Patriots yes. when Tom Brady took them to their first Super Bowl, and then they became the offensive juggernaut. So you see these dynasties and the way they're able to adapt and you're seeing Kansas City adapt now to kind of a, a second version of itself as they're on the doorstep of a third. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit fanduel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right. Uh, A lot of Bengal fans want to know, are the Bengals going to eventually wind up with a tight end? And I think for a couple of years now, they've had good answers, but they essentially were band-aids. And I think CJ Uzama certainly proved very useful during the Super Bowl run in 2021. I don't think Hayden Hurst really disappointed anybody with the way he played the second half of 2022. uh, And he got on a hot streak. Certainly was a big reason I thought uh, they were able to win that game in Buffalo uh, on the road in the playoffs. But the Bengals, to me, one of their glaring weaknesses has been the tight end position and more to the point, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's trust in that position when the chips are on the, you know, chips are down. It's so interesting to me, Mike, because we don't know what Joe would look like with an elite tight end. We've seen him with serviceable to good tight ends. We've seen him take practice squad tight ends and make them look very functional on a football field. So I'm very curious to see, because this goes back and look, we all understand the big domino that's going to fall with this team is 
T Higgins. What happens with T Higgins? Correct. How do they go right. about shaping the roster thereafter. But for me, the other question is, look, Tyler Boyd, his, his time might be up in Cincinnati. I would assume it is. So now you're looking for a playmaker over the middle of the field. Is Charlie Jones ready to step in at that role? I'm not sure. So at this point, I would think the only way the Bengals find an impact tight end, right, would be through the draft. I mean, I, I, I don't expect the Bengals to dip their toe into the tight end market in free agency because, look, let, let's let's assume that the Bengals tag T. Higgins, right? Yeah. So when they do tag him, what do they do? Do they keep him? Do they trade him? That's to be determined. And then they've got to spend a lot of money on defensive tackle. They've got to no get question. better there, whether that's draft capital, whether that's free agent market. So so we're, we're looking at this pie here, and, and there's only so much of the pie left. I think if the Bengals do want to addressed impact tight end and we've never seen them have that before with joe burrow they would have to do that in the draft and we saw this year the emergence of the tight end and we saw rookies who can emerge and be difference makers as tight ends at the snap of a finger and then look at the super bowl look at the two tight ends in the super bowl yes difference makers george kittle travis kelsey all pros difference makers guys who make plays so to me i, I would be so curious to see if the bengals address with their draft pick because it can go so many different ways what they can do with that draft pick but i think it all comes down to the domino what they do at receiver first i like travis kelsey i think he's certainly going to be a hall of famer don't get me wrong i think the bengals would rather have a george kittle and just to listen how zach talked about george kittle when i asked the it came out of my mouth so poorly the question to zach about how good is George Kittle? And it's like, is George Kittle really good? Well, no shit. Of course he's really good. But the reason I think that George Kittle is so valued by a team like Cincinnati is not only can he catch the ball at a very high level, a catch radius is tremendous. He can run block and he can pass block at an elite level. To me, what makes Rob Gronkowski the greatest tight end of all time, and pretty clearly he can he could catch unbelievably well and his catch radius target, uh, especially in the red zone for Brady uh, was phenomenal. He was reliable as a receiver. He was as dominant a pass, a uh, pass blocking tight end and as dominant a run blocking tight end as there has ever been. And I think that the, you could make the argument that Rob Gronkowski was another tackle. And they often did make that argument and used him as such. To me, I'd love to see the Bengals with a Rob Gronkowski type, somebody who could dominate at the point of attack, because I do think they already have enough receivers, but I want to see a, a, a good blocking wide receiver, a, a, you know, a beast in terms of that, uh, and then get somebody who can also catch the ball. Well, first, tracks. I didn't know we could use bad words on here. Now I'm excited. Yes. Now I can empty the bucket a little bit. No. I think if you look at this team and the way they're formulated, to your point, we see the PFF numbers on the offensive line. Now, I thought the offensive line was better than those numbers portrayed them to be, where they were in the mid-20s, you know, in, in pass block rate. Obviously, they weren't explosive in the run game. Is that the offensive line? Is that the running back? I think that'll be answered here in the next couple of months with what the Bengals do with Joe Mixon and what they think of him going forward. But I do think to your point of adding another offensive lineman, because look, what's the other big question mark with this team? What do they do at right tackle? 
I don't think this team's in position right now to draft plug and play a rookie at that spot, considering Joe Burrow's health. I don't think you can trust a rookie to go out there and protect the franchise um, starting day one. So they're obviously going to have to dip into the free agent market at right tackle, but you can supplement that with a mean, nasty blocker as a tight end. And it's interesting too, you start naming those tight ends, the George Kittles, the Rob Gronkowskis, even Travis Kelsey, what they bring with an edge and attitude that maybe hasn't been on this offense where you have a, a, a guy who plays with that kind of attitude, edge, cockiness, bravado, whatever it is that adds a little bit something different to an offense because you see it when when George Kittle makes a play. You saw it when Rob Gronkowski made a play. What it did not only for the team but for the atmosphere of the crowd and, and people just kind of latched on to those kind of personalities. And look, you're not going to find every tight end with the personality of those guys. I get that. But there seems to be something with that position that leads to just a little bit of crazy on the football field. Hayden Hurst played with that, right? Hayden Hurst played with an edge. So, I mean, you can see it from that position. And I think if the Bengals were to add just a little bit of that, a playmaker over the middle of the field, another offensive lineman, a little bit of a bad attitude edge kind of player, you can get all that in one guy and a tight end. What a difference maker I think it could be for the Bengals. Okay, you know what that leads into? Edge, attitude, the run game. So many Bengal fans are sick and tired. And and frankly, I think internally in the organization, the Bengals are kind of tired of not getting explosive plays from their running game. That was what was behind drafting Chase Brown, right? I mean, I think he could be a, a very much an X factor in this Bengals offense going forward. They need, whether it's Joe Mixon, and I don't think it is, but we'll see. Uh, they need another... Uh, lightning and thunder type of attack in their running game. They need another running back, someone who can provide a burst at the point of attack. And they're going to have to address that somehow, some way. What do you think think about that? I think what's interesting is we're going to find out here in a month, we're going to find out pretty quickly what their plans are with Joe Mixon with his roster bonus due in March. Correct. Because they're not going to pay his roster bonus, and then cut him thereafter. So we're going to know what the Bengals' plans are before the NFL draft at running back. I thought what you and Skinny said about Chase Brown being kind of the Bengals' version of Jameer Gibbs and needing to find a David Montgomery to go with him. We all understand Jameer Gibbs is is a one-of-one guy, an elite guy, even though Chase Brown's been a very explosive player for the Bengals in this very small sample size. He fits that role though. He fits the role of the complimentary explosive running back, but they've got to find someone to pair with Chase Brown. I don't think that person's on the roster right now. I don't think it's Joe Mixon. I don't think the Bengals think it's Joe Mixon going forward either. So how do they address that? Do they address that in free agency or do they address that in the NFL draft? Now I haven't gotten into the draft enough yet tries to see what guys are going to be available and you start looking at running backs and what rounds two through five but then look at the kansas city chiefs where did they get pacheco they got pacheco i believe Fourth. very late yeah fifth yeah i i'd have to go look it up but it wasn't in the top three rounds so you're looking at this position being gettable later in draft so i would think this is 
obviously the NFL model is now you, you draft a running back, you play him on his rookie contract, and then you cycle through to and do it again. And I would assume that's what the Bengals do here. So I think we're going to find out within a month what their plans are with Joe Mixon if they do cut him and then go to the NFL draft and find his replacement there. But I, I, I don't think this team is set up right now to have one predominant ball carrier. It's not going to be Chase Brown. He's not built for that. Chase Brown, I think Chase Brown's probably best drags right around a ballpark of 10 touches a game, whether it's running. That seems low to me, Joe. That seems, yeah, I do. Here's what I think Chase Brown can be. I think he can be the modern day James Brooks for Bengal fans who can relate to this. He could be a James Brooks. They need to find the icky woods. And I don't think Joe Mixon is icky. He's just not. Um, same height, but I don't think he has the same kind of thrust at the point of attack anymore. He did early in his career. Absolutely. No question. And there were times last year where he certainly ran hard, but he's not the same type of threat as a big back as Icky Woods was. So that's what I think they're looking for. The other name that comes to mind when I think of, uh, Chase Brown and, And I know there are going to be people who laugh when they hear this. I know one in particular is a good friend of both of ours, and that would be James Rapine. When I say (laughs) Chase Brown, the, the, the ceiling is a poor man's Christian McCaffrey. To do everything he can do, maybe not at that level, but that's what the Bengals need. And I've often thought, or I often thought during the season last year, Joe Burrow, when he was on the sideline, if you give me Chase Brown, I could have done just as much as Jake Browning did. But uh, certainly, you know, that that season was such a train wreck in terms of players coming and going and whatever. But that's what the Bengals really have to rethink with Dan Pitcher now as their offensive coordinator, how they're going to use the run game to help protect Joe Burrow because he cannot continue to take the kind of beating he's taken in the first four years. What if I said this name? You said Christian McCaffrey. What if I said the name Austin Eckler? Yeah. Chase Brown. Obviously not as thick as Austin Eckler, but the same kind of skill set where you look at Austin Eckler and you say, that's a guy that can really beat us in the past game. My, My one concern with Chase Brown is this. Is is he built to get the kind of work? Yes, pass pro and also get the ball. So if it's not 10 touches a game, is it 15? Is he going to get that for 17 games? Are we going to give him the ball that many times if you're the Bengals offensive staff and expect him not to wear down? Look, we can say what we want about Joe Mixon. The one thing Joe Mixon, his best ability was his durability, right? He was able to take the ball 15, 20 times a game and keep doing it week after week, year after year. And he did it at a level enough that this team could be competitive in the run game. But yeah, the one word I always look to with Joe Mixon that's missing is burst. The burst is gone with Joe Mixon. And that's why, to me, if you want explosiveness out of the running game, you've got one half of it in Chase Brown. Now can you find your Icky Woods? I like the Icky Woods, James Brooks, um, comparison there with Chase Brown and trying to find someone to replace Joe Mixon. But I will push back, Trags, on okay. Chase Brown. Why you're getting here. More. 
getting more than 10 to 12 touches a game just to keep him healthy, keep him fresh, because this team isn't playing football just to get to January. This team's trying to play to February, and you can't wear that guy down. If he's going to be the kind of weapon you want him to be, he's got to have some gas in the tank come playoff time. Fair enough, which is all the more reason you would want to get a tight end and or another running back who can take some of the burden off the power aspect of the Bengal game. True serum to Zach Taylor. You have a little bottle with you and you want to just, you know, pop it in his coffee and and have him tell the truth on the following question. And he can't say a little of both. That this <laughs> that answer is not uh, eligible in this response. And that is, would you rather be Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid in terms of your offensive philosophy going forward? I think he would like to be Kyle Shanahan going forward. Um, But I don't think that's the makeup of this team. I think he has to be Andy Reid. I think he has to understand that the strength of his football team, and we, we mentioned it, they've got to run the ball more just to protect Joe Burrow. But what Andy Reid has done with Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes is what the Bengals have to do here. And that is understand that Super Bowls go through the quarterback. And the this iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs is different. And Andy Reid has done a good job. It took him a long time to get there to put away all the, the fun plays and the gadget plays and all that stuff. That that all ended at Christmas Day. And they went back to just sim- simplifying things and running the ball and playing defense. But what we've seen has built the Kansas City machine into a monster is understanding that Super Bowls are won through quarterbacks. And that's what Joe Burrow has to do here with Zach Taylor. That's what Zach Taylor has to do with Joe Burrow. Uh, They pay him the money for the reason. $275 million is to be their Patrick Mahomes and to be the Luke Skywalker of Cincinnati football. And that's what he has to do. Kyle Shanahan has done a great job of weaponizing Brock Purdy. And I know you and Skinny had this quick debate on the idea of a game manager not being a negative connotation but being a positive connotation but let's understand brock purdy is a point guard right he looks like to me john stockton john stockton throwing it out to carl malone and whatever weapons he always had in utah jeff hornacek but joe burrow to me feels like the modern day steph curry where it's a it's a guy who can distribute and can also win you games at the same time so if i if i'm zach taylor i want to dip into andy reed and and and, and the personality of the Chiefs is the personality of the Chiefs. You can't be Andy Reid. You, you can't go to all these, you know, high, high thought uh, trick plays and everything they do at the goal line. You got to be yourself. But I think what he has to take from Andy Reid is the idea that this goes through Joe Burrow. He knows that. And I think that's why Dan Pitcher is still here. He doesn't want to lead Joe Burrow. He can build a great resume coaching Joe Burrow as an offensive right. coordinator. So I think if I'm the Bengals offensive staff, it's pretty simple. Uh, you, you go back to just – let Joe Burrow be himself. That's what's going to win us the Super Bowl. But let's build up everything around him to get him back to the kind of roster this team had, especially defensively when they did make the back-to-back AFC championship games because they can't run it back next year with what they had defensively last year. It just wasn't good enough. Even if Joe Burrow was healthy, people might argue this, this team was not built to win the Super Bowl this year. Defense just simply was not good enough this no, year. No, it was not. No matter how good Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, the offensive staff would have been 
that's got to change. But I think to answer your question, I think Zach would love to be Kyle Shanahan and play that kind of style of football. But this team is built to be an Andy Reid kind of offense. He is Joe Daneman, sports director at Fox 19 here in Cincinnati. You can follow him on X at uh, Fox 19 Joe. I got that right, right, Joe? Fox 19 Joe? Okay, good. Nailed it. Um, By the way, I'll bring up this anecdotal um, memory from the 2023 season when Joe Burrow was on the sideline watching Jake Browning. I think you were there uh, in the media room listening to Zach uh, when he uh, said this, but it was – him saying that when Joe was on the headset and Jake Browning was leading the comeback against the Vikings, he said, there are plays where you can be the quarterback and you can distribute and anybody can do that job as a quarterback at the end of the game. This is why we pay you the $220 million or whatever it is. These are the 219 million dollar guaranteed moments where you have to come up and make the big plays to your uh, point, Joe. uh, I think that's the way, you know, certainly Zach feels about uh, Joe Burrow. He is the guy that's going to have to win big games and big moments. And I think back to the San Francisco game uh, a few years ago, a game the Bengals lost because of poor special teams. You think back to that game. And my one memory of that game is Joe Burrow really got hot in the fourth quarter led the comeback, the Bengals forced overtime, and then they took the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. Yeah. And Zach Taylor went up to the mic that night, and you don't rarely hear a coach admit um, he's second-guessing himself. But to your point of what you thought when you asked what you thought was a bad question about George Kittle, which I don't think was a bad question, because a lot of times what we do in our business is we just elicit responses right we correct we i've always told responses. students not to cut you off here i've always told students when i go to speak as a guest speaker at classes i always say to them it's not the question you ask it's the mm-hmm. answer you get and just always remember that yeah it's the answer you want to get you want to give them an opportunity to answer the question and i asked zach after the game i said do you think you'll second guess yourself taking the ball out of joe's hands and I didn't expect him to say yes, and he did. He said, you know, that those are the kind of moments that are going to keep you up at night when you do take the ball out of Joe's hands because Joe was was hot. He was yep. cooking. And just let him keep doing that. And I, I do wonder after that game in the back of his mind with Zach Taylor going forward, it is, okay, just get out of the way of greatness, right? Yep. It's almost like, you know, like I mentioned Steph Curry. It's like Steve Kerr sometimes just, just get out of the way of Steph Curry And I have such a simple philosophy in football, and I saw this during Lamar Jackson and watching the Baltimore Ravens season lose. Um, They went away from who they were so much with with their offense. And, uh, you know, they didn't run the ball like they did all season long, but they put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands. And I'm okay with that. I I am as a coach. If I were a coach, I would be I would sleep better at night knowing my team went down with the ball in the hands of our best player simplify the game live and die with your best so if i'm zach taylor and i look back at that san francisco game and now i see san francisco in the super bowl a team that they just beat this year beat handily what do they do in that game joe burrow was excellent at that game let joe be joe in those moments and i think zach learned it in that game and we've seen it going forward that when it comes time uh, for him to win games he understood the mistake he made in that game against San Francisco. And he now understands going forward that when it's time to win, the ball is in the hands of number nine. 
Okay, you can pick one of the two following defensive players to add to the Bengals' defense. You can't do both, Joe. Chris Jones, Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith, because Chris Jones isn't going to happen. Boy, no, just just, let's say I just fired my shot there. Okay, so okay. play this back, remember it, and then you can you can roast me all you want with the okay. Bengals. Jones, the crazy amount of money he's going to get. I, I simply say that, Jack, just because I think Harrison Smith's realistic. And I th- I think, look, it, and to your point with Chris Jones, where it's, hey, if they're going to tag T and they're going to go all in, go all in, right? And, and build this thing the best you can and go Chris Jones. Maybe it's Christian Wilkins. Either one. I, I think both of those guys are huge difference makers right there. Game changers, defense fixers. With one stroke of the wand. Which Chris is Jones. what I think they need, but continue. Yeah, but we've seen this team, this organization. And look, I think it's hard sometimes to paint this organization with the brush of this is the way they've always done it because they stepped away from that. Yeah, recently. they have. They, to they, their never, they never paid a quarterback the way they have now. They never dipped into free agency the way they did a few years ago when they got Von Bell and that whole class of Cheeto and Mike Hilton and DJ Reed, all those guys coming in to build that defense. But for me, I would think, and this is going to sound, maybe even saying it out loud is going to sound stupid, but there's more sustainability with Harrison Smith because I think you can get Harrison Smith for probably a three-year deal, even though he's in his mid-30s. And and that fixes the back end where I think you can then address defensive tackle in the draft. I think they need to plug someone back there at safety who's played a lot of football. I don't know what they're going to do with Dax Hill. I'm not sure Dax Hill is a safety going forward. I, do, I don't think he is, but that's just my yeah. person's uh, point of view on it. My layman's point of view on Dax Hill has a lot of elite level skills that don't project to the safety position. That's why I say Harrison Smith, plug him in and find defensive tackle elsewhere. I would and, agree and with also, that. Also, just because I just don't see the path of Chris Jones becoming a Bengal with the money that he's going to make. If the money were there. Chris Jones. Okay. Yes. There, I gave, yes. you, I gave you a parachute there, Joe. Yes, thank that's you. That's what I try much. to do as a <laughs> podcast host who wants to have a guest back again. Like, <laughs> Trags is going to give me that parachute if I need it when I say something. But I kind of, you know... I wish I could go back and and change it. I'm always yeah. going to give you that parachute, Joe. I appreciate that. Chris Jones is is uh, a, a such a unique player. Like Harrison Smith's a, a great football player. I think Harrison Smith can make a case to be a Hall of Fame football player. Um, but Chris Jones is on a level where there there aren't many guys out there in the NFL that changed the game the way Chris yes. Jones could change a game and, and what he would mean for this team. I think his impact and since obviously he's a, at this point, his career is a better football player than Harrison Smith. I just think Harrison Smith fits the profile and of could the give you stability and would be yeah. a tremendous communicator. He'd mm-hmm. pick it up quickly. He, he's Von Bell, right? I mean, he's, right. he's, he's the Von Bell role that this team has missed in that, Bengals fans have lamented ever since he left Cincinnati. All right. uh, We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, I want you uh, on your X profile. There's a word and uh, (laughs) it sticks out to most basketball fans for the obvious reason, but I want you to tell the little uh, story uh, if you would uh, behind Kobe on your uh, X page. So I forgot I had Kobe on my X page. 
Uh, I'm an 80s kid, Trags. Uh, you having some Boston ties yourself. Yes. We all understand in the 80s, it was one of two things. You were a Celtics guy or you were a Lakers guy. My old man was a Larry Bird Celtics uh, worshiper. So as a kid, a rebellious 80s kid, I said, well, I'm I'm cheering for the Showtime Lakers. So I was a Lakers guy growing up. And then in my formative years, they got Kobe Bryant. So I became a huge, huge Kobe Bryant fan. And then, of course, there's the famous Dave Chappelle skit of Kobe. Anytime you throw anything to a trash can, Kobe. So I think that's where that came from. I don't know exactly why I have it on my bio on Twitter. I think it's I think it's subconsciously trags. It's a peek into my personality that I don't take myself seriously yeah. at any point at any time. So I put it out there so people like that's a good oh, approach, Joe, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I put it out there for guys when they creep on my Twitter to see what this guy's all about. Like, oh, Kobe. I don't know if it comes across that way, but that was my thing. I'll, I'll share this story about Kobe. Uh, and, and his death was was a really, really hard day for Terrific. me. Yep. And um, it's, you know, it's one of those things that you and I are in this business and we're around athletes all the time. And and so I, I understand how, how attached people come, become to their favorite athletes. And, and Kobe, to me, was almost mythical. Like I, I saw him once in the rafters at uh, in Indianapolis in his farewell tour. I had to buy a ticket, had to go see him, yep. but I, I never was anywhere near Kobe. And I've, I've been around a lot of famous athletes from sure. Michael Jordan, Steph Curry to Wayne Gretzky, but I've never been anywhere near Kobe. So he was this mythical figure to me. So when, when he died, I took it really hard. It was a hard day for me when that happened to Kobe. And I remember the day it happened. Uh, the next day, I went for a jog, and I have an old Kobe Bryant jersey on. And I put my Kobe jersey. It was a cold day. It was January. I had a, a hooded sweatshirt, put my Kobe jersey over that, went through running through the streets of Edgewood, Kentucky. And the number of people who honked their horn and waved at me yeah. because I was wearing the Kobe jersey was was a cool thing. And that that, that was a hard day, and that was a cool thing uh, for people to kind of, just with a honk and a wave, kind of say, you know, man, this, this is this is this is hard. And we all understand he's he's an athlete, he's a person, but but Kobe Bryant to me represented a lot of things um, that that motivate me. This is a this is a hard business we're in. It's a, it's a grind, and and nobody accepted the grind of what they did more than Kobe Bryant. And and to me, you know, it's it's kind of the Mamba mentality. Whatever you do, whatever your job is, or your career is, to approach it with that, and and that's why Kobe has always resonated with me. That's a great story, Joe. I appreciate that very much. I will tell you uh, that I've been blessed, very blessed, to have covered um, countless great sporting events, championships, Game 7s. The one that stands out to me when people ask is Game 7 of the 2010 NBA Finals, Celtics, Lakers. and Were you there? Yes, I was there. Oh, and, man. And... I remember, you know, watching in 84, my high, night of my high school graduation in Indian <laughs> Hill, and uh, that was game seven. And there I was before that 2010 NBA Finals game seven and having all of these flashbacks. And Kobe was very, for him, pedestrian in the first three quarters, if you remember, very pedestrian. And Ron Artest, you know, carried that team through game seven up into a certain point, then it was Kobe time, Mamba time. And he carried them to an 83-79 win. It's still to this day one of uh, the more iconic moments of my career that I will never forget.
boy, we need to sit down and have lunch and talk about that because I have so many questions to ask about you being at Game 7. To me, that felt like Rocky and Apollo. And by rounds 12, 13, 14, yes. they're exhausted. Yep, punch work. We, we've seen those two teams. I mean, they went to war for six games. And by Game 7, they, they were... They, they I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I lost about 10 pounds in the locker room after the game. I have never been as hot and uncomfortable and steamy as I was in the Celtics locker room after that game. It was brutally hot. And that's the other thing I remember from that game seven. I mean, 83-79 tells you everything you know about what those teams had left and the tension in the building to, to fight through it because it's not just game seven. It's Lakers-Celtics game seven. And Kobe had to slay the Celtics dragon by himself without Shaq to, I think, validate his career. I mean, without that championship, Kobe's questions for eternity. But with it now, all the questions were answered. He is Joe Daneman. We have to wrap it up here. He is the sports director at Fox 19 in Cincinnati. Does an amazing job covering all things Cincinnati sports. Please do give him a follow on X at Fox 19, Joe. Joe, thanks for joining me and enjoy the Super Bowl. Real quick, a pick. Real quick. Chiefs, uh, don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. He's like trying to bet against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. I think I think Chiefs win this one, and I think the Chiefs win it some, uh, somewhat comfortably over the 49ers. All right, he's Joe Daneman. I'm Mike Petralia. This is has been the Jungle Roar podcast powered by FanDuel Sportsbook the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media.